0: episode of Edutech XP. Today we have for you the first part of a small series that we produce with the help of our fellow classmates here at Saarland University. Every new generation of Edutech Master students shows an abundance of nationalities from all around the world. Different countries means different educational systems, so we want to highlight and bring closer to you the diversity of teaching across the globe. Today, you will hear the accounts of a student's path and experiences in Brazil, India and Italy. Let's start with Claudio, who used to work with us here at the podcast and his view on the educational system in Brazil. Alright, so we're going to talk about the education system in Brazil and what stages does a student go through.
1: Perfect. In Brazil, the education system is divided between five distinct levels, right? Preschool education, primary education, lower secondary education, upper secondary education, and tertiary or higher education. The number of years of compulsory and primary education and secondary education that is guaranteed in Brazil by frameworks are currently 12. That is interesting because in 2012 was eight years Nowadays, and less data is from to last year, is now 12 years. That is interesting because uh, secondary education is guaranteed by framework level, but is actually not compulsory in Brazil. High school, I'm talking about high school, right? And a curiosity is that pre-primary or pre-school education is not compulsory, it's optional in Brazil.
0: What percentage of pupils goes to university?
1: I'm going to give you some data based <laughs> on the... UNESCO, United Nations for Education, uh, and about population of 25 years or plus, right? It's very interesting data for any country can go there and check it out. So, for example, it's interesting because in Brazil, we have some statistics from 2018, the last ones, and shows like completed lower secondary education is 6% overall. Completed upper secondary education is 45%. 0.4%. 0.4%. So from 60, we go down to 45.7 and up at secondary education. When we talk about completing tertiary education or high education, this drops to 16.5%. So it comes from completing lower secondary education, 60, to completing higher education, 16.
0: Is that what you expected? Is that how you feel it is?
1: Yes, for example, I can tell about my own example. My father and my mother didn't complete an even the lower secondary education, and I now let me say the second generation of my family, I am already already completed higher education. So you come from both parents and all the family previous that didn't complete even the lower secondary education to someone that is completing now the higher education. So that's actually the picture that I see most in Brazil. Some families, big ones, just a few of people from that family goes to actually to university and finishes.
0: What are the strong school subjects in your country?
1: I can say that usually they STEM-related subjects like math, science, uh, and they STEM-related subjects are the strongest one. Uh, Also for checking data and statistics, usually, for example, you have the percentage of people that can read, the percentage of people that can solve basic math problems. So that those subjects are the, the ones that are, let me say, that usually strong in Brazil in terms of evaluation and statistics check.
0: And are there any university courses that are specifically targeted or also supported by the government?
1: Yes, I mean for access to education, higher education for example. Currently there is a program called University for All that means that if you come from a high school, public high school background, you can apply to have to private schools and then you receive a full scholarship to do your higher education in private schools. And also if you have a good score in the national exam after you complete your high school, you can use that score and have some additional percentages increase it if you come from public schools. That helps you to get to also public universities with that score increase it.
0: Alright. Is education for all sort of one of the challenges the country is facing and trying to overcome?
1: Yes, yes. That's a kind of utopia and the challenge at the same time that Brazil's face. Brazil is one of the countries that doesn't provide good educational statistics at all. As you can see, I mentioned the statistic from 2018, that is three years ago, is the last ones that I could obtain. And I can say, like, if you cannot measure, you cannot manage it, right? That's a basic principle. So these challenges of Brazil are exactly this, like to increase, for example, preschool coverage. As I said, it's it's optional. That means that no many very early childhood kids go to school. Then when they start the formal education framework, they will have some demands, you know, educational demands that they didn't have access before. And also this is particularly true for students from disadvantaged backgrounds mainly. So I think the big challenge that we faced and we're still facing is increase the, the percentage of children, for example, to attend school. Given more access to schools, right, in education. And what I think is going to be the next challenge, because this is what we are facing now and we'll probably face for years from now. But I think also after we maybe guarantee a good access to education for all, or at least in this sense, the next step is going to be to increase the overall quality, right, of these uh, schools and environments. For example, right now on the PISA survey, there is the program for international student assessment. Brazil is near the bottom of the list from the 65 countries that are taking part of that. So increase the quality will be, I think, the next challenge or is now too. But, you know, in the sense that when we give access, what you can do next is increase quality.
0: What is the average level of available technology in schools?
1: I was looking also the statistic from UNESCO, and they have a very interesting one that is the proportion, for example, of each level, school levels that I mentioned previously, that have access the schools that have computers for pedagogical purpose, right? And this data is from 2017. So, for example, if you talk about primary schools, 63% of them have access to computers for pedagogical purpose overall. Secondary school 68% and upper secondary schools, 85%. So, this is you can see is the opposite statistic. It's, it's less on primary schools and more on upper secondary schools.
0: Uh, how was your experience? Did you use, did you get to use laptops in school?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Talking about my own experience because I am a computer software as a, my first bachelor's school. I went as an information system student, but in fact, I just have access to computers during my, my high school. I never actually saw a computer or used a computer before. I had my education back in Brazil on the north part of Brazil, and then I moved to the northeast part. These both areas of Brazil are also statistically showing that this part have several years of less education than the, our peers, for example, from South and Southeast part of Brazil. So actually, my first access to computers for pedagogical purpose at school was at high school. And then, personally for me, it was life-changing because I decided to study the subject at uh, high education. And then I was the first of my family to study, so computers may take a big role on that. Uh, computer and technology in general take a big role on my own experience as a student.
0: That must have been a bit of a difficult transition, having it never encountered, like for a large part of your life, and then you know being so interested that you chose it for your major and your bachelor's.
1: Yes, yeah, so it was actually interesting because uh, when I had access to computer and internet, I just get like very surprised at what I can see on the internet, what can I look for, information, knowledge but then also this represents this difference between north and south part of Brazil. To actually study uh, technology, I had to move to Sao Paulo. That is one of the biggest cities in the south part of Brazil. And I was 18 years old. So it also was a very big challenge to move like alone from the north to south part of country uh, to study technology. Also a new thing for me. So it's a quite challenging. And now I can tell that it was a very important experience for me
0: tell us something about your country people usually don't know.
1: Well, that's interesting to think, to put myself in the shoes of the person that don't know Brazil. (laughs) I can tell I can tell about something some usually people think that we speak Spanish because our South American or the majority of them speak Spanish like we are surrounded by Venezuela Colombia Argentina Chile but we actually speak Portuguese and what else yeah yeah another thing is Brazilians are usually fighters we we dealt with a lot of issues. We're still dealing uh, economically, politically inclusive. So we are fighter people. So we're still fighting to, to improve our quality of life for for everyone, at least for uh, that's the utopia for majority of us. I think it's that. We speak Portuguese and we are fighters.
0: <laughs> Next up is Venkata from India. So what stages does a student go through when they go to school?
2: In India, generally, it's like other than other countries in India, children generally start schooling at the age of three. That means they go to preschool and then they try to make children learn stuff at the age of three itself. And then we have uh, one to 12 grades. That means first class to 12 class. We usually call the 11th and the 12th classes as intermediate And then we generally write 7th class, 7th grade, and the 10th grade as the board exams. That means the government conducts the exams for the 7th and the 10th grade students, which are really important to get a very high score. Like most of the students try to get more than 90% of the score in the 10th grade so that that score is mainly important for their intermediate course selection. I just like to say that this is the first stage. In the, in the schooling, and then the next is the intermediate schooling, and in that other students generally try to select their own courses. Like maybe we have like MPC, Bi-PC. MPC is maths, physics, and chemistry, BIPC is biology for medicine students, and then after the this second stage of intermediate, they write the uh, board exam or the qualification exams from the government, like IIT and AIEEE. They are like two different exams which are written all over India. And then they try to use these scores to go for the engineering exam. So these are like literally the three different stages that happens to the students in India.
0: All right. Um, are there any subjects that all students have to always take? It's like till
2: 12th grade or stage 2, they'll have maths, physics as the common subjects for every student they study from first grade to the 12th grade, the same subjects. But when it come to the engineering or the university students, it's not necessary to go with maths. It goes with their subjects. I'm mean, like, which course they have taken, it goes with that. It's not a compulsory subject for maths. But the physics continues till the end of your studies.
0: Do you have any languages you have to learn?
2: No, it's not not specific, but as Hindi is the national language in India, generally from first grade, they will make you learn Hindi till the 10th grade, but it's not compulsory. I mean, like from stage two, it's not compulsory, but most of the students know Hindi.
0: What percentage of pupils actually go on to university?
2: Actually, it's a very high percentage, I should say, like around, let us assume that 100% of the students study till intermediate, like till stage 2. Above 95% of students try to go to higher education, like university studies. And all of them may not have the same amount of quality education in the highest, higher education, but they try to go to higher education and complete the b I mean like bachelors of technology. So I should say around 90 to 95% of students do that. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a very high amount. And then like we have lots and lots of b colleges uh, in India back. So yeah, most of them uh, try to do that.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask what are the strong subjects in your country, but that's uh, basically already answered. It's sort yeah. of technology science oriented, yeah. right?
2: But in the beat, yes, science oriented until I should say like stage two like intermediate, but when they come to the university, we have only two main streams. One is computer science and then is electrical and electronic engineering for this government jobs, like what they wanted to do in the electrical side or mechanical side. That is one stream and then computer science is the other stream. So students mainly switch between these two streams. I mean, they select.
0: What happens if someone wants to study social sciences or philosophy?
2: Actually, there are some colleges which offer those subjects too, but I should say very less person, like one or two person.
0: Okay. Or maybe less than that.
2: Uh, Yeah. We have the psychology in Indian parents that computer science or engineering is the only very good study to do in these days. Like it's only the good subject that gives you a lot of jobs, that has a lot of jobs. So yeah.
0: What is the average level of available technology in your schools?
2: Actually, back then when I was studying, they didn't use much of technology. Like we used to have a computer lab but these days, I, I should say due to pandemic, with the help of pandemic, all the schools have changed their medium of teaching from direct to this regular online classes using Zoom, Teams and everything. I should say like the kids nowadays are like more knowledgeable in Teams and Zoom than, than myself, actually. They know everything. They would say we should do this like this. And all good thanks to pandemic. They're using this technology a lot nowadays. We even have a more numerous number of learning apps, actually. Nowadays, there is also a trend of homeschooling. Parents are using this kind of learning apps to make kids learn some of the things instead of teaching directly. They have these learning apps. There are many, actually.
0: Do students join via their phones or do they have laptops at home, computers? I would say mostly most of the students have laptops or tabs because of their
2: parents. (laughs) They are working so they can borrow their laptops or a PC. They even have the PCs at home,
0: yeah. Is homeschooling an option? Like, do you have to go to school or can you also homeschool?
2: Nowadays, it has become parents, like parents are opting that thing because of this pandemic, I should say. They don't want to send the kids to school, maybe up to some point of time. And all they do is giving these, the same textbooks we get them out in the stationery shops. The parents are educated enough to teach their kids what is good and how to do the things.
0: What is the biggest challenge of the education system in your country at the moment?
2: biggest challenge is that uh, giving quality education. There are a very good universities, I should say. I mean, like, there are professional universities, but there are very low, I mean, very less number, I should say, very less number of professional universities, but there are very high number of students who are opting to do this higher level of education. But all the students are not getting enough level of this quality because of less number of professional universities. I would say that like if we increase the professional level of universities, then yeah, most of the students would be getting this uh, higher level of education.
0: All right. And finally, tell us something about your country people usually don't know.
2: Most of the people outside India think that India is not a very rich country and has very limited resources. But in recent times, the access of technology has become so much easier in telecommunication revolution. So I would like to ask you a question. What do you think the internet connection in India would get like? So here we are getting like 1 or 2 GB two GB maximum per month Oof. for mobile data. I am saying mobile data.
0: I think, well, mobile data, I heard, is actually very good because lots of people uh, have phones and join from their phones. I heard that there's even a lot of free Wi-Fi, you know, in city centers and stuff. Yeah.
2: Yes, city centers and have a lot of Wi-Fi, but I would say in India, we get a high-speed internet connection of more than 2 GB per day. Wow. Yes, with less than 3 euros per month.
0: That's amazing.
2: (laughs) Yes, we have very high speed internet connection and it's like a revolution in India. You know how much I felt alone in Germany because of this internet connection. (laughs) Oh, yes. Because of very nice internet connection and not getting enough of Wi-Fi or mobile data whenever I go to uh, other places to roam here and there, but no mobile data to know the area and also yes, this is one of the biggest things. Because of this high-speed internet connection, there are cashless payments everywhere. Even you can see a beggar with a Paytm code sitting beside. We can do a cashless payment to him as well. Yes. So this created some kind of a very good platform to various citizens, something like some school students to professional software engineers who wanted to do some certifications or learn something from the online it has become very easy because of this thing. Yeah, I think this, many, of, many of outside
0: Indians doesn't know about this. And last but not least, one of our current podcast team members, Eleonora from Italy.
3: In Italy, first, the school starts at six years old and ends with 19 years old. And then from the age to six to 10, we go to the primary school. And then from 11 to 13, we go to the middle school. And these two schools are actually the same for everyone. And at the age of 14, you can choose what you want to do. So you can decide to go to the high school. You can decide to go to the technical school or to vocational schools. So the most important difference between all these schools is that in the high school they teach you Latin, philosophy, and art of and art history, and in the technical school you don't learn this subject And in vocational schools you learn if you want to be an hairdress- a hairdresser or if you want to do beauty treatment, if you want to be, if you want to learn how to cook, and so on. Both the technical school and the high school allows the students to make maturità, which is the the last exam that can let you to go to university. And if you go to vocational school, uh, you can't do this. You have to attend the school just for three years. But if you want in the future, go to university after the three years, you can decide to change the school and then take this Maturita, which is our exam to access the university.
0: All right. That sounds pretty similar to Germany so far. (laughs) Um, What percentage of pupils goes to secondary school or to university?
3: I need to read an article, of course, because I didn't know that. But I was very surprised that actually the 66% of the students go to university, which is something for me that was uh, very interesting because it means that the majority of students go to university. But I saw also that the study pointed out that most of the uh, students also drop out the, uni- the university after the first year. And the most of the students are the students that, that come from vocational schools or technical schools and I can understand that maybe it could be that what they study during the schools it's a little bit different of what we study I did high school so in the high school uh, you are trained both in for the content but also for the amount of work to go to university in the future so maybe it might be that the majority of students go to university but then not so many students finish the university in the end because of the different backgrounds
0: so you said you had to learn Latin. Is that sort of one thing, you know, the country really concentrates on?
3: Yes, this is a Latin philosophy and a history of art, Italian. So all these subjects, which are the classical subjects, are the main topics for the high schools. So if you go to high school, you have to study all of these. If you go to other school, you don't. And Latin is very, very important for us. Some high school also they study Greek, but I mean, all these classical subjects, I would say, are the most important subjects in Italy. More important than math or physics. For example, me, I was in high school and I had a lot of hours of Latin, but so few hours of math. This is why I'm very bad in math.
0: (laughs) What is the average level of available technology in your schools?
3: First of all, there is, of course, a lot of things to improve in Italy in the topic of technology. At the moment, there are, for example, availability of tablets for all students. So each student has his own tablet. And most of the time, they read things from the tablet instead of having just books, which is something very good because we need to buy a lot of books. And for us, it was, it was very hard every day to carry with all these books. It's very heavy. So I'm happy for the new students. I didn't experience the tablets, but I remember when I was done, the new student, the new student, new pupils, they had tablets. So I was happy for them. And we have in Italy also interactive whiteboards, which is something that was also new when I was in the school. They started with these interactive whiteboards, but there are no other special technologies. And I have to say that not all schools have the same level. And high schools are normally the, have the privileged positions. So normally in high schools, they invest more money for that. Talking
0: about investment, is the school paying for those tablets or does every student have to get them themselves?
3: No, the school is paying for that. And then you have to go to school every day and they check if the tablet is in a good condition, if you are broken it and so on.
0: What is the biggest challenge of the education system in your country at the moment?
3: The first biggest challenge is something related to what I said before, which is the homogeneous educational sector. So in Italy, it's a little bit heterogeneous, uh, depending on high school, technical school, vocational school, but also the region. And I think that this is a big challenge for Italy to try to offer a good educational system everywhere. So in every region every small town, everywhere. And then also to change the form of teaching. So this is also what we are learning in our master. In Italy, unfortunately, it's still too frontal teaching and too theoretical. So we learn a lot of theories, a lot of concepts, a lot of stuff, but we don't learn how to do something. And it was something very interesting for me. I studied languages and I had five languages in my schools. But at the end, when I needed to speak, I could not speak because we learn everything. A lot of stuff, grammar, culture, poetry, literature, and so on, you know, so many things. But then when it comes to speaking, you do know nothing. So this is a big problem in Italy, I would say.
0: Is that something the government recognizes? Like, are there emotions to change that?
3: Not so much, because I guess it depends on the point of view. In Italy, it's very important to have a big culture, you know, to know a lot of things. This is the way people think you are like very, you know a lot. So you're very, very uh, intelligent, something like this. Learning a lot means learning literature, learning the history. So this is something for us. It's still very, very important. I hope they will recognize it, but for now, I guess in this sense, Italy is very proud of this mentality. (laughs) I had this perspective of these two theoretical schools once I came to Germany, because I saw here how you learn. And I studied Lehramt, and I had a practicum in schools, and I saw that the students could speak very good Italian. But of course, they didn't know so much about the literature. But actually, it's not very important. So the important thing is to speak. And once I saw this difference between Germany and Italy, I recognized this problem in Italy. So to answer your question, I guess in Italy, we, 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 people don't, don't know this. They don't have the other side of the schools. They don't see how it is in other countries sometimes.
0: Tell us something about your country people usually don't know.
3: Okay, talking about languages, I was thinking what I can say about my country. This, Italy has a country with a very wide variety of languages. So despite its surface of area, because compared with Germany, Italy is very, very small. But it is possible that if you go to Italy, for example, you can find people that don't speak Italian as a primary language. They can speak local dialects like in Germany. But we have also some region in the north of Italy where people speak just German or French or a language which is called Ladin. It is typical in Friuli, so north of Italy, northeast of Italy. And it is an interesting mix between German and Italian, actually.
0: Uh, could you understand it?
3: Oh, no, I can't. But my, my grandfather came from the, there and he could speak this language as a child. So sometimes he told me some, some sentences. I learned these sentences. But if they speak with friends and so on, I, I don't understand. Just a few things. <laughs>
0: Three very different systems we had here. Brazil, striving to ensure education, not just for all areas of the country, but also for all levels of schooling. Italy, where the country's culture is an integral part of compulsory education, and India, where the focus lies on technology and advancing the country into a very specific direction. For me personally, these talks gave me a lot of new insights and made me appreciate the backgrounds of my fellow classmates even more. Also, in the upcoming part of the series, we will get to enjoy the variety of educational systems, all of which were part of building up the skills necessary to bring us together here at Saarland University. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned, find us on social media, and have a good weekend. This is Edutech XP. <music>